Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 89 now, entitled How to Really Connect with Your Clients with Erin Flynn. It was published on Thursday, the 16th of August, 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com. If you're not familiar with the podcast, we have a certain format. In every episode, we have a little discussion with David and I, which on this occasion is going to be entitled, Should We Be Offering Turnkey Stroke DIY Websites? That comes in a little moment before the interview. Then we've got the interview about clients with Erin Flynn. And then finally, at the very end, we've got a little ending fact called 48% more traffic is produced from websites which have 51 to 100 pages. I'd like to ask you to go over to the WP Builds website and if you click on the buttons, it's wpbuilds.com, you click on the buttons underneath the podcast player, then you can share the podcast episode all over the place. For example, you can share it on iTunes and a number of you have been re- leaving some very favourable and very, very kind reviews over on iTunes. I really appreciate that and my understanding is that that really helps spread the message about WP Builds. That would be great, so click, you can share it all over the place. The other things to mention are if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, then you can subscribe to our newsletter and get on the messenger um, alerts and all that kind of stuff. Basically keep up to date with what we're doing over here. And if you go to forward slash deals, you can avail yourself of some coupon codes for some notable WordPress plugins, for example, MainWP or Toolset, that kind of thing. Go and have a look. And finally, if you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash webinars, we've got two webinars coming up really soon, actually. We've got a webinar on Thursday, the 23rd of August, so that's not long from now. And that's all about Project Huddle. Andre from Project Huddle is going to be coming on and telling us how that um, can help you build your client websites and get feedback. So it ties in nicely with today's episode. And then on Thursday, the 13th of September, we've got one with Corey, Corey from Kanban WP, and he's going to be explaining about that plugin and how it can be used to organize your tasks more efficiently in WordPress. So go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash webinars, and you can sign up to both of those if you haven't done already. It should be good. Thanks for uh, anybody that has. Be great. Right, Erin. Now, Erin is all the way from Colorado in the USA, and she's got a lot to say about client communication. We've all been there before. We've fallen out with clients. We are reluctant to communicate with clients. We're nervous about our communication. Well, she's got lots and lots of helpful advice about how to deal with that and how to get on board with having friendly clients, having a good relationship with them and keeping them up to date so that so that they're, they're your friends and the project runs smoothly. It's It's a bit of a failing of mine, so I really enjoyed listening to this one. Um, Erin has offered us a coupon code um, for her paid membership uh, program, which you'll find out about on the show in the show notes. <clears throat> Excuse me, just to say that Erin is currently on Safari, and uh, we haven't got the code yet. But what I'll do is I'll say to anybody that listens to the podcast, I'll put something um, in the show notes when it arrives, and also post it in the Facebook group and that kind of thing. 
Okay, thanks for listening once again, and I'll hand you over now for our discussion. So that's David Wormsley and I. I appreciate you listening. Today's discussion, we're calling, should we be offering turnkey or DIY websites? So, Nathan, we're turning this on ourselves, aren't we? Because we're both looking into this a little bit. About- yes, yes. I'm, I'm really beguiled by this idea. Um, anybody that's been listening to this podcast for any length of time will realise that David and I are constantly trying to, <laughs> trying to find a way of generating recurring revenue. And this just seems like such a good one. I've tried it in the past. That is to say, I got to the point where I was 95% done. And then I just realized that I think I was relying on a bunch of plugins that shall not be named that I just didn't have enough confidence in. Yeah. Um, so Precise. I, 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 yeah, whatever <laughs> that was. Um, I backed away and I never did anything with it. But I was there. I was really there. I had everything set up. Um, but then again, quite recently, we came across um, a different plugin. Are we going to mention this plugin? Give it a plug. Yeah, I think so. He's coming on the show, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to be on the show. Um, So there's a plugin called WP Ultimo. And to be honest with you, I can't remember the URL, but if you Google WP space Ultimo, U-L-T-I-M-O, I I found this because of Matthew Rodella, who came on the podcast recently. It's a one plugin that you install, and it kind of takes care of everything. Mm. And the... It seems to be done well and correctly. So that turned my attention to it. And then, of course, I mentioned it to you. Mm. You went out and bought it and Mm. kind of turned your head a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting times we live in, isn't it? Because we've just got used to page builders and all of what they can offer to us. And we've known about, you know, this ability to be able to spin out using multi-site different sites easily. And I think things are just coming together. I think WP Ultimo is it's. I think it's really solved a lot of problems for anybody who's been thinking about that. So that makes it exciting with the page builders that we have. So, yeah, and we're always looking at new ways, aren't we? Because, you know, our threat to our business is Wix, Weebly, Squarespace. So can we get in on their game? Yeah. So just to clarify what we're meaning here, Mm. what we're meaning is a website that you set up with WP um, multi-site configured and enabled. And then your potential clients are able to go to your website, sign up for a subscription or a trial or whatever, and then they will get their own bespoke website Mm. that then might be mapped to a certain domain. So instead of it being, I don't know, um, testsite.wpbuilds.com, it would be whatever your URL was. So myexcitingwebsite.com. And then you'll be able to offer them a whole bunch of themes or plugins and configure which ones they've allowed and configure how many posts they can put and how much disk space they're allowed and all of this kind of stuff. And the idea being that you could really be very hands-off with this. I think that's the bit where the myth is, the idea that Mm -hmm. you could launch this and forget about it. I think you'd have to take this as seriously as anything else. Yes, yes. And I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of people that are very excited about that. We're in a couple of Facebook groups, aren't we, that yeah. are dedicated to yeah. this. And, um, you know, it's really interesting to see what people are doing. Of course, I mean, you know, there's one huge, huge downside, which, which makes me think I probably shouldn't be offering this. And that is, if you're building this, you are, well, most of us are going to be building it on somebody else's page builder. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is, 
and uh, assuming that we want to keep on up to date for security reasons, we don't have control over how the page builder will change. And uh, it means then that we've got to support people with changing technology and keep our document. If we don't want to deal with talking to people, which is where we get a recurring income from, mm. uh, we're going to have to keep up to date our documentation, aren't we? Yeah, so the documentation, I think, would be the make or break of it. Mm. Um, if it was well documented, which is obviously going to take a considerable amount of time, mm. then, um, you know, I can't see why this wouldn't work. But you would also have to keep, like you said, you'd have to keep abreast of um, the latest updates to any plugins or any roadmap that they'd got so that you were well aware what was coming down the mm. pipe. Mm. Uh, so that if you updated, let's say, Beaver Builder, and they significantly changed their UI like they did uh, when they flipped over to version 2.0, you'd have to mm. prepare your clients for that because it suddenly looks completely different. Yeah, and they're not our clients any longer. They're the customers, aren't they, that yes, we're yes. so much distant from. And I think, yeah. Well, 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 maybe not. Maybe that's a, a differentiator uh -huh. because we were talking before we started the call that in, in a sense it, it would be nice to have that automated website business where you didn't know anybody but then yeah. on the other hand, maybe that's maybe that's not the path to go down. Maybe you do have that automation, but you also stress that you are doing this. Look, it's me, it's Nathan Wrigley, it's David Wormsley, and when you yes. fire in a support ticket, you're going to be getting to us. We're not some sort of giant organization. And you don't try to hide it. You explain, look, we're using WordPress. It's free and open source. We're relying on a whole bunch of plugins. And when you contact us, you'll be speaking to me um, not some not some agent that works for us um, for minimum wage. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's how it can. I, I mean, I think with all of these things, we often come back to this. I think honesty is kind of really gets you out of a lot of scrapes. I mean, we were talking about Gutenberg before. This is another major change, another threat to this business as well. That's you know, you can't ignore that. That's going to be a major change. So you, you're going to have to the same as you would with your normal clients. The only fear is, isn't there, with uh, with most of the clients you work with to build a website, there's a certain level of expenditure that they're used to yep. um, for all of these changes. And there's, you know, the, you're together on this project more, whereas when they come in and just sort of enter their credit card and expect it all there to be there and then to make a website, is a different relationship. So, yeah, I just wonder sometimes, you know, with all the updates you have to do, whether you can actually earn enough money out of it. Yeah, I think that will be a a problem. The, the the thing which is being talked about in these turnkey website groups is the sort of niching down. Yeah. So, for example, there's one chap who um, is very involved in building church websites, and apparently church websites have a very specific set of needs, and he's figured out uh, what those needs are. Um, so they're very happy because they come along, they install yeah. their website, they get his template, and on the on the whole, by the sounds of it, they're they're very happy because he's already pre-configured all the things that they might need. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, s times of opening and a contact form or whatever it might be. And if you were to do the same for lawyers or estate agents or whatever, that might be another good differentiator. Not only are you the person dealing with that request, but you've also got templates which are utterly devoted to their little area of business yeah he's done a fabulous job on that and i think you know it's because he's kept it really simple in fact effectively there is only one theme isn't there yeah. you've got a choice yeah. to be able to have different kind of menu types that's basically the difference but it's the same same thing so I... well very clever thought thinking mm. there from my part anyway oh, sorry mm. from his part so yeah. yeah i take all credit for his wonderful <laughs> work um because it it 
creates less support. Uh, and if something yeah. goes wrong, it'll go wrong on all of the websites. That's another problem altogether, of course, which we'll get to. But he, he'll, you know, he'll solve that problem once and that problem will then go away for everybody. Yeah. You know what, though? I don't I mean, I obviously don't understand his business, but he's been in the business for some time of making uh, church websites. So I, I'm wondering, you know, whether this is a, a natural uh in, what's the word? Natural <laughs> pro- evolution. Progression. Evolution. That was it. Yes, yes. Because perhaps he's realised when he's making these sites for people, and he's, you know, I believe his his former business or probably still running, it has been fairly productized anyway. So he's just like kind of cut more of himself out. So it's a natural progression. He's connected to people who need church sites, and often they don't need him as much if he lays this out properly for them. And I, yeah. I feel that's how he's maybe evolved and. What I fear, what I see, though, I see some other people doing it where they've chucked in almost every new toy that's come in yeah. as, a, as a bundle, like yep. they do with theme forest theme bundles where you can get this, 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 this to up the price of it, the value of it. And it's just, you know, you just think, wow, that is just no way can you support all of that stuff. Yeah, I guess from an advertising point of view, it's very beguiling. But from a support yeah. point of view, it's an absolute disaster. So your clients might be delighted that uh, these these many many permutations are possible but in the end you're going to have to support it when it inevitably goes wrong (laughs) so i I think he's got the right idea slim it down get get to the bare minimum of what you need offer that at the price point which works for you and um and you know claim that this is the church website building tool and that's all it does and nothing else so if you're not a church don't bother do you think you will do the same um, in a way as what I'm suggesting or guessing that he's done, which is sort of build what you know of your own business? So do you know people that you think, well, actually, they could do a lot for themselves, so I'll send them this route? I don't know. I think I'd probably go for the niche, but I don't okay. know what that niche is for me yet. Just because I, I am quite taken by the idea of having one template and doing it all in one way. I, I've played with the the op- opposite of when I did the previous iteration, as I was mentioning earlier, where I nearly got finished. I had I, I had so many different possibilities, so many different plugins that you could have and enable. And then I just thought, I'm going to have to make, make documentation for this. I'm going to have to support it. And, and in the end, I think that's why I backed away from it, apart from the plugin support. The just the the scariness of all that, and it mm. didn't really occur to me that I should just start again and strip out all of the stuff. But now that I've seen other people doing it, it does. Um, so I don't really know. I I still haven't done a great deal about it. A lot of the stuff for me is the technical detail. It's about it's the things like the automatic domain mapping, yeah. and it's the things like the obviously these days you've got to have a, a an SSL certificate, and it's about whether or not you can create a free Let's Encrypt wildcard certificate, which will work yes. across all the installs. And this WP Ultimo plugin um, works for specific hosts. So, for example, it's configured to work with um, WP Engine and mm-hmm. a couple of others. Uh, mm-hmm. But I haven't I haven't tried... Well, I have tried on a one host, and it didn't work out the way I was hoping to. The domain mapping all worked, but the, the wildcard certificate didn't, so I've abandoned that. And I might move yeah. on to, <clears throat> excuse me, a different option like WP Engine and try again. Yeah, you know that I've started to understand, play around with that one and realize what needs to happen. And you know, there's a bit of restriction as well because you are stuck with the host that you might not want yep. with it. You know, yep. to make it work easily, or you might need to buy 
certificates for each of these and find other alternatives. And I thought, oh, this is getting a bit complex for me. Yeah, and it's also the fact that you'd have to manually install those certificates or at least yeah. be there ready when somebody signs up for an account so that they're you know, within a, a very short period of time, you can install that certificate. And I want all of that to be automated. And I know it can be done. Yeah. Uh, it's just, for me, it's a question of the time to create that stuff and make it work. You know, the one thing I think about the, the niches here, I mean, now, because the technology's changed quite a lot, there was a lot of niche DIY kind of sites out there already. I'm thinking of like the restaurant ones with Happy Tables and Restaurant Engine. Yep. But when they were made, you know, that, maybe not so much with happy tables, but the technology wasn't kind of as easy as it is now. So even nope. even if you're not finding a new niche that hasn't been explored, you could probably quite easily compete with an existing one where it's more cumbersome. Yeah, I think the niche is really important. So for example, with the restaurant one, I mm. know that a lot of these platforms, they'll offer like a an app as well, uh, yeah. you know, like a mobile app. Uh. And so it's about finding the niche where th there isn't all of that clutter going on around it as well so i think the church one is good because I, in all honesty i don't think there'd be that many churches that would wish to have a, an app but i could see that restaurants possibly would um i don't know what niche i'm going to go after i, I i've got a few ideas but um I, i'm not 100 percent sure but i think the niche is utterly crucial and finding out exactly what they need and making sure that your website has those bits and pieces and bells and whistles attached do you think there might be a little bit of moral dilemma in this as well? Because if we work with clients more directly, that we we kind of guard them more against things that the mistakes that they might make, you know, not having their mobile layouts looking good and losing client, you know, losing visitors due to mistakes they're not even aware about. Do you think, you know, because yeah. we set this up, yeah. do, you know, I, I always wonder about this one, the sort of sense that I, I've already done it. You know, we've had some people almost build their own sites and and I look at them and I think, oh, actually, they might be losing some people with the mistakes they've made there. Should I go and tell them about it? And that's, you know. I, I get that. Yeah, that really makes sense. You've got a personal relationship. And if you've been working with them and yeah. talking to them on the phone, you feel, well, you feel like it's a something that you ought to do the, the the flip side of that i suppose is that if you have one or maybe two templates as soon as one person alerts you to the problem you know you feel on a bound to help your entire user base by fixing that problem and then everybody's got the same fix straight away so it might obviate that problem because yeah. it's simple to fix but i know what you mean the the idea of having users that you don't really know is is a little bit weird but I think yeah. I just need to get over that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, shall I, shall I mention how I'm thinking about using yes, it at please. the moment? Because I've been cheating on you, Nathan. I've oh, been over at somebody. Always the way. I've been over at somebody else's podcast that's not out, and I mentioned what I was going to do, so I should mention it here. But yeah, I, I because I fell in love with this Ultimo and what it can do and the control that it allows you to have for people making their own websites, I just thought I maybe not go full on with that the DIY solution. But I thought, wow, I've been really getting into training. And I thought combining that, the ability to someone to come in and knock up one of my templates and have it ready, have it restricted for them, combined with a training course, which is live. Mm -hmm. So they come on it for a couple of weeks. I do some webinars, they join a group, I answer their questions for a set fee. And it helps them to build their website. And then they can stay with me or they don't stay with me. And that's how I'm thinking about using this at the moment. Yeah, it seems like a good idea. I can't see I can't see any pitfalls to that. And also, you know, you do like the training side of things and I think you'd really excel at that. So 
just by being yourself and being in that community and putting yourself in the videos and explaining things carefully, I think you'd you'd get a lot of users who would you know go to their friends and colleagues and say, look, you should use this this service because the guy is brilliant at support. And, you know, he'll create a bespoke video if something goes wrong, or when there's an update, we'll get a a nice video demonstration, and it it feels like it's been tailored just for us because you are incredibly authentic in those videos. <laughs> yeah, good or bad, I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that worries me about this, to be honest, is the price point. Um, yes. Because the comp- the competition are so cheap. You know, they're they're at such a scale now that they can afford to rent, presumably even have their own kind of server stack in their own data center. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about Wix and Squarespace and all of that kind of stuff. And they've got their own code base, which has been written, and they can deploy all that and test it and make sure everything works. And, and it's cheap as chips. But yeah. that's where I think the niche comes in, and that's where I think your personal support comes in. And I think you just, like we said, you have to be really honest and say, it's just me. I'm going to be here 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. If you've got any queries in that time, I'll answer them as quickly as I can. And if not, you'll have to just wait over the weekend because you know, I've got a life. <laughs> and I think some people will be drawn to that rather than the the corporate or yes. anonymous approach. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, this is good. Uh, one one thing before we end on this one, though, okay. would you offer a free option in? Do you mean like a trial? Yeah, well, or either a free, trial totally or, free. Or, mm. or, or, or free package, which I, I see some have. They've started to do that, you know, so you can actually unlimited, but, you know, it's the same as... Wix, really. I think you put your own branding on it. Oh, no, I don't think I would. Um, I think if I manage to get this through the door, which is a big if, I'll go for a demo, a nice demo site with suitably innocuous and anonymized content uh, Mm. and see if that... Because then you know what you're getting. You know, this is what it'll look like, basically, and you can swap the image. Maybe do one or two demonstrations with a, a a light version and a dark version or something like that. But mm. no, I don't think that I would. I wouldn't be in it for the advertising. Um, I think I'd be in it for the, uh, the, the, the... I'd like to support the people who've, who are supporting me in return, if you know what I mean, not with the advertising model in the footer, because I don't honestly think that does a great deal. No, I, th- I think you really have to be able to scale to make use of that. And I think it would irk me if I had people who permanently stayed on free with my advertising on it. Yeah, know? and also... I think I'd want to get them off. Yeah, you know? and, you know, they could really ruin things. And also, they might you might get loads and loads of free users using up the database and your storage options. Although, yeah. with WP Ultimo, you can limit all of that. So maybe you'd only give them, I don't mm. know, very... 100 megabytes in total of space so they can only upload a, few, a handful of pictures and so on. Mm. Um, nevertheless, yeah, I don't think that would be the way I'd take it. Let's see where we are in a year's time. Yes. Oh, you know where we'll be, Dave. <laughs> no way. <Exactly. laughs> we could have this exact same conversation in a year. But, it's a, but it is beguiling and it has, yes. it has captured my imagination. My problem, as I'm sure is the same for you, is just time. Just finding yeah. the time to do this stuff. Um, yeah. Right. Shall we go mm. to the interview? Yes, please. Uh, Yes, please. Hello there. Thank you for getting this far into the podcast. Appreciate you sticking around very much indeed. Today on the line, all the way from North America, Colorado, in fact, although I don't know where in Colorado, it's quite a big place, is Erin Flynn. Hello, Erin. Hi, thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Um, We were connected through a very good friend of 
of me and probably the entire world, um, a chap called Paul Lacey. So first of all, thanks, Paul, for uh, getting us together. I really appreciate it. Erin is on the call today because she's decided to take a different approach to uh, the likes of me and David. She's uh, she sort of stepped away from from building websites. And so my first question to you, Erin, if you wouldn't mind, is just just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you now do for a living. Well, I've made websites for forever, mostly as a hobby. Um, I started making websites back in 1999, um, just for fun. Um, and then I turned it into a business in 2012. Um, but now I'm primarily known for helping other web designers and developers create their own profitable businesses by helping them streamline their systems and communicate with their clients. Um, oh, and by the way, I'm in Aspen, Colorado, which is ah, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that re- was that a uh, was that sort of like part of the the sort of the, the change up that you did a few years ago? Did you want to quit client projects and throw it all, throw the baby out with the bathwater and move all at the same time? Did it all happen at once? Um, it did kind of coincide a bit. Um, once we actually, we moved up here first, my husband and I moved up, um, to Aspen and I was just, you know, there's, there are so many things to do here that having client projects all the time was kind of limiting my ability to enjoy where we lived. So mm-hmm. I made some structural changes to mm-hmm. my business, although, um, that wasn't the primarily, prim- primary reason, um, the primary reason was just mainly that I saw people struggling and I had been there and mm. done that already and I wanted to help them. So, yeah, I guess that kind of leads nicely into my next question. Yeah, why did you uh, decide to step out of build building client websites, which is what I and many of our listeners will be will be engaged in? What is it that you found frustrating about that or annoyed you? And what, what was the little sort of business that you foresaw in your future that was going to help people like me? Well, what gave me the first clue that maybe I should be doing something a little bit different, um, I would get, when I was doing web design development full time, um, I would get clients coming to me and saying that they had fired their past web designer or developer um, because basically of lack of communication. They didn't explain things well. And my clients would just be blown away with the fact that I would actually take the time to answer their questions and I would keep them updated throughout the project. And what I was seeing was better designers and better developers than I am were being fired (laughs) and people were coming to me um, where the quality of work at that time was less (laughs) less <laughs> than right. what they had they had been getting but the quality of the project management and communication that they were getting from me was better so they were willing to pay for that and so what i thought was if i could help other designers and developers with this um you know ones who are more skilled than i am um i'm kind of one of those people who does both design and development i'm pretty split brained yep. um but i also feel like i'm not amazing at either. I do good, solid quality work at both, but I'm never going to be, you know, making these designs that just absolutely blow your mind or coming up with like the next amazing, you know, plugin. That's yep. just not who I am. Yeah. Um, so while I, I think that I do good work, I feel like I'm kind of limited in those terms. So what I'm really good at, the client management part, um, can be taught to people who have these amazing abilities to produce great work they just need to pick up 
a little bit of client uh, management skills. What are the what are the, I mean? I, I completely identify with uh, your the messages on your website, which we should probably mention. Actually, it's at Erin Flynn E R I N F L Y N dot com. I totally identify with it because everything that you say is almost like hardwired into my head. These are the problems that I face. But what what are the specific things that somebody like me um, is bad at? What were the things that clients were coming to you for saying, we fired our previous developer, you know, we're going to take somebody like you on. And, and, you know, what are the things that that you you did better than somebody like me? I think I'm able to translate the tech stuff into ways that people understand. and I know that that can be very, very difficult um, for people like clients don't know what we know. And so it's it's very natural for us to get frustrated and say, like, why don't they understand what I'm talking about? So I would take the time and now it's so much easier. There's really no excuse. You can use like a free video recorder thing like Loom and you can make a little video and show the client what you're talking about so they understand the terms that you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have to do screenshots and like paste them into emails oh, because it was harder to do. Or... So many of screen, so many screenshots. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was exhausting. I understand why people didn't do it. Um, or if I made a video, I had to record it and then upload it to YouTube and then send them a link. Now it's so much easier. Um, but just taking the time to say like this, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the hero image. They don't know what a hero image nope. is. They have no idea. And why would they? They're not experts in what we're experts in. So, But when you take the time and you do a quick little, you know, video walkthrough of maybe the homepage that you've designed instead of sending an email and they can actually see what you're talking about, that goes a long way. Um, I will say the biggest thing that we tend to not do is we're we're in the project and we're working and we know that we're working and we forget to update the client. And so the client doesn't hear from us for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And they start to wonder if we ran off with all of their money. (laughs) And so they get antsy and they start to get angry and then we get angry at them for being angry because they're not understanding what's going on. And honestly, uh, a two minute email at the end of the week saying I've accomplished X, Y, Z on your website. And next, next week I'm working on ABC goes such a long way that you, you would not believe how, how big of a difference that makes to clients just to know that you're working on their project. Um, even, even if they don't necessarily at that point understand exactly what it is you're doing, they see that you've sent them a list of what you've done and that makes them feel so much better. I think um, I think this is clearly a problem that a lot of the people in this community listening to this podcast will identify with because it's kind of a common feature in Facebook groups based around, well, in this case, WordPress web design. You, uh, you, you often find posts where they are critical of the client and telling them, you know, I said this and they said that, and then I said that, you know, and it, and it's clear that there's somehow a line has been drawn between them and they're, they've become adversaries instead of uh, friends and the, the relationship has become sour and useless. Um, I get, I, I think that's a really neat idea. I, I confess I do use Loom and things like that, but I don't do the sort of summative week thing. I tend to use it as a a troubleshooting method where the client will um, say, I've got this problem. And, and actually, to be honest, it's far quicker shooting up Loom and sending them mm-hmm. the answer than it is, uh, for me at least anyway, than trying to create an email. 
do you think that do you think that the kind of people that we are um, isolated sort of stuck in a room by ourselves do you think that kind of geek mentality how to describe this without being offensive um, do you think that that kind of psyche the people that end up doing the kind of work that we do as, as web designers do you think we're kind of prone to this are we not good communicators do we suffer from poor communication I think so. I think that a lot of us get into it because we tend to be introverted. Um, I'm an introvert myself. I, I like being around people and talking to people for maybe an hour a day. And that's kind of my limit. Um, right. It's very exhausting for me to do a whole lot more than that. Um, and so working from home and not having to deal with coworkers and other people in my space is amazing. But it also tends to, I don't know, like it, it definitely makes us kind of frustrated at mm. having to communicate with clients. And I know having to talk to clients on, like, I won't talk to clients on the phone. Actually, I will talk to them on something like Skype or something like Zoom um, because then I can screen share and that makes my life a lot easier. Mm. Um, but I think that we tend to, the more isolated we make ourselves, the, the more effort it seems like to communicate to people. So if we've been doing this for a few years and we're just stuck in, oh, I only talk like on email or Slack and we we're not used to communicating with our clients, yep. it can seem like a huge effort. Um, and I, I think that it, it just gets worse and worse over time. Um, I do think that web design development definitely attracts introverts, at That's, least freelance yeah. web design development, yeah. because we don't we don't have to see people, but it is important to communicate with your clients, um, and it, it will make your business so much better. You just have to find a communication style that works for you, and then you can find clients that are willing to go along with that communication style. Have you ever found a kind of personality type or, or, or a, maybe a, a particular person in your mind who, who was just so terrible at communicating, um, really didn't have those skills and lacked them on, on some kind of fundamental level, that really the advice isn't to try and upskill, it's to just outsource that that work to somebody else? Or do you think everybody is salvageable? I would say most people are salvageable. Um, there are some who are going to be so stubborn that they don't want to do it. <laughs> um, and so what I do now, so I mentioned earlier, um, so I do, I can do theme development and I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn solid with that. But if I need something special made, I need plugins or something for a client, I outsource that. And I typically outsource that to people who are like the hardcore developers and I'm the project manager in that case. So I speak developer and then I can translate to the client. But I have noticed a lot of these people have difficulty um, with communicating. Yeah. Like they, they really, really struggle with it. Um, and I think that it I, I think that they may never be what's considered a great communicator, but I think that they can help their business so much by making a few changes. Like those weekly check-ins. Um, if you don't want to record that, if you don't want to talk, you can do that in bullet form in an mm. email. If you really are terrified to talk to clients, um, you know, like face-to-face -face videos like you can do on Loom 
helped. And they give the client the feeling that you're communicating with them um, much more than an email can. So there are ways to get around it and find ways that work for you um, that don't cause stress. Um, I, I think there are different levels of introversion and um, I'm not as introverted as some other people. So it's more comfortable for me. But I think you just have to find what's comfortable for you, push yourself a little bit and things will get more and more comfortable mm. as you do them. Yep. Um, and then, you know, a Skype call won't be as terrifying when it's, you know, your 100th Skype call as it is when it's your first. Yep. So you just have to keep pushing yourself a little bit. I um I completely identify with that. It was a bit like this, this with the podcast, you know, you know, sort of analyzed everything for the first however many episodes and then you just you just get a bit more comfortable breaking the ice with people for the first time after you've done it lots and lots of times. Uh, yeah, I totally get it. Um in terms of the kind of the kind of people, I mean, presumably we're talking about freelancers here. I'm guessing that if you're squirreled away somewhere in an agency, you can you can potentially be insulated from this because your role as a theme designer or a developer means that you're never client facing. But the majority of the people listening to this and presumably the people you're you're reaching out to are freelancers and we don't really have a lot of choice. We've got to deal with clients. We've got to, you know, sort the invoices out, build the website, do all of it ourselves and then pass it over. So if I go over to your website, um, which is, as I said, erinflynn.com. You got a lovely, lovely little quote at the top, which says, "My we say mum instead of mom, so I'm going to say mum. My mum doesn't like this. <laughs> My mum doesn't like it. Sure, it's useful feedback, um, not. And then you go on to sort of explain um, your process for assisting freelancers to to get themselves in a position where they can communicate better with their clients. Do you want to run us through? the process that you um, that you educate people with? Yeah, so there are a whole bunch. The one that you mentioned specifically is how to get good feedback from clients. And that is currently a free workshop on my site. Um, I'm not sure when this will air, so it may not be a free workshop when you guys visit. Um, Have the attempt or we'll, we'll accept that. <laughs> but um, I have several workshops and a lot of them have to deal with communicating. Um, so what, what we do, you know, as far as asking questions from our clients doesn't necessarily, you know, if we say, do you like, do you like the website mock-up that I sent you? And then the client says yes or no, and that's not useful. Um, yeah, that really or, isn't useful, is it? <laughs> no, it's terrible. Um, so we have to lead them into giving us the proper feedback. Um, but when you don't know what questions to ask, um, whether it's getting feedback or first starting a project, um, you know, trying to figure out whether the project's a good fit for you or whether it's dealing with clients in the middle of a project who are starting to get antsy or angry, um, it can be very frustrating. So um, I would say, you know, the biggest help to me in terms of communicating with my clients is to not get angry because again, they are not experts. So if they're asking you questions and you're just so frustrated that they don't get it, realize that they're an expert in something else. They're an expert in whatever their business is. Mm. If they were an expert in what we're doing, they would be doing it <laughs> instead of hiring us. So remember, you know, that they're, they're not stupid. They're not trying to annoy you. 
they're just not an expert like you are. Um, and that has been very helpful for me to take that step back and be like, why, why are they asking this? It's so obvious to me. Yep. Um, but then the next thing is also, you know, just think also because they're not that expert, it's going to take a little bit more explanation. If, if you and I were talking about building a website, that conversation would look so different than if you were talking to a client or if I were talking to a client. That's so true. Um, yeah. So really, I think putting yourself in their shoes and taking the time to explain things, do a little bit of education is the best thing that you can do in terms of communication. Um, because if you don't do that, the client's just going to feel lost and that's just going to make them again antsy and angry and then you're going to get antsy and angry and it's not going to be a good relationship um, and they can turn sour and bad very quickly. Did you, um, when you were putting your resources together, um, like you said, you've been doing this for a long time. Have you kind of like iterated through a variety of styles of asking questions and a variety of questions um, over time and kind of come up with um, ones that measurably have worked better or are you working more on gut because some people just are instinctively good at this kind of thing aren't they you know you go into a room and there's somebody holding the crowd they're just good at that kind of thing they've got the audience they're a real raconteur and I guess it's the same with with what you're saying here you know you've, you've maybe just got a skill that somebody like me doesn't have so that's my question was this sort of scientifically tested or are you you're just working on what feels good and, and has proven to work. It's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I actually majored in communication in college. That'll do. Um, yep. So, so there was some science behind it. I learned how to do surveys, um, what type of question you should ask in like, like depending on like how you should structure the questions based on the outcome that you want. Um, and so there's definitely science behind it, um, as well as it was just something that came more naturally to me. Um, in my workshops, I give a lot of like, here are the questions you should ask, you know, when you're starting a project, and I have those all laid out. Um, and those are the questions that I have used in my business and have been successful and given me the information that I need. Now, if you work with a totally different industry, um, or you just have a totally different style, you may need to tweak things. There's no black and white answer. Communication is not science. It's more of an art form. Um, so while you, there's definitely data and, you know, ways to get information from people um, in the proper way, it's not 100% perfect all the time. And sometimes you just get clients who, no matter how well you ask a question, you're going to need to do a little bit more handholding and try and go deeper with them because they're just maybe not good communicators themselves. It's a really ephemeral thing, isn't it? It's very hard to sort of pin down. But I wonder, over the course of me sending out however many hundreds or thousands of emails I've sent out to clients, I've just kind of written it in my own style and not really not really dwelled on it too much and just thought, this is the way I behave. This is the language I use. There it goes. You know, I try very much to be polite and never to uh, sort of imply that I've got, you know, better skills in one area than another. But I'm, I'm just wondering if I if I should uh, invest time in this because, you know, somebody else who's got the skills, like you say, you've got a you know, degree in communication. There's probably an awful lot I could learn from somebody like you because just working from my own gut feelings, I, I'm not sure how effective I am. Does Does your stuff assist in any way with 
acquiring clients or are you primarily focused on people who've uh, trying to manage the expectations of the clients they've already got? Um, but I do both. Mm. <laughs> so getting clients is also a communication skill. Um, and one of the things I think that um, we get confused about is we, we're we selling websites, right? That's what we think that we're supposed to be doing. And honestly, nobody wants to buy a website. What people want to buy is a solution to their problems, and we can fix their problems with a website. But if we don't communicate that effectively uh, to our target market, then we're not going to probably attract the right kind of people. We're probably going to struggle to get clients every month. Um, so that's, that's also a communication thing. Um, and, and one thing that I like to do, which is kind of just a quick tip in finding your target audience and attracting them is go on Twitter because everybody complains on Twitter um, and you <laughs> want to see what they're complaining about <laughs> and then make a list. It can be a secret, private, hidden list of people who you want as clients. So like the people who fall into the type of person you want to target and you can make like a list of 10 people and then just track what they say and save it in a document. And I want you to track what they say when they're happy as well as what they say when they're frustrated. And even if it doesn't seem related to what you do, it can be really useful when you're writing your copy for your web page. So if you find out that they hate the customer service on a certain airline and they go on this Twitter rant about how bad it was and what the issues were, you now understand what kind of customer service they don't like. And then on your website, you can say, well, look, we're never going to leave you stranded, you know, for for six hours in a airport. You weren't necessarily say it like that, but you would say like, I'm never going to leave you hanging without knowing what's going on in your project. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, you know, make sure that you're informed the entire time. Um, and so that obviously addresses a concern that they have. You've just twisted it from being about airlines to being about websites, and you help them. Um, and likewise, if they're struggling to get their own clients. You can tell them about how the website that you build for them will help attract more clients, how it will help funnel clients towards their contact form or making a purchase, because that's what we do. Ultimately, what we do is we help other people's businesses um, either get more clients, get more leads, um, or inform their audience or kind of all three. That's what the website does. It's not a website and that's it. It's a it's a tool for our clients to assist mm. their business. And so that's what when we're selling websites, we're really selling a solution to our clients' problems. I'm a terrible user of Twitter um, in that I don't really use it. Um, I occasionally <laughs> put out tweets, but I spend absolutely no time whatsoever, um, you know, browsing what other people are saying. So if I was to follow that thread for a moment... What what would I even do? How do I go and follow people on Twitter? Is there a tool that you use? Is there some SaaS service which enables you to sort of, uh, I don't know, gauge the, the mood in the room or, you know, the mood of a particular person over time? You know, there probably is. However, um, I just do it really simply. So um, who's your target market? Um, well, in my case, I'm just all about local businesses. So it's all the people that with, live within a certain sort of geographical radius of me. That tends to be where I go. Okay. So if you found their Twitter accounts, you would make a, a list. Um, so Twitter has what's called lists and you can just filter people onto them. So when you follow them, you can then add them to a list. So mm -hmm. it can be, you know, my target market, whatever. And it can be hidden. 
And then just, you know, spend five minutes, 10 minutes a day scrolling through. And then when you see something that catches your eye in terms of what they're saying, throw that in a Google Doc. And then, you know, a month later, you're going to have this like wealth of information about what your target audience sounds like and mm. what they struggle with, mm. as well as what they say when they're happy. Um, so, and the happy thing is important too, because you want to show when you're selling websites, you want to show um, them in the language that they use, um, what it's like, what the feeling is like when the website's done. So if they want to crack open a can of beer, you know, at the end or go down to the <laughs> pub and get a pint, um, you know, if that's how they would celebrate something good in their lives. Then, you know, on your website, you, you list out what happens, you know, when you're building the website for them. And then you say, and then at the end, you know, you can go down to the pub and you can get that pint and celebrate your brand new website launch. And they'll understand that. I, I, I completely get it um, in that, you know, given a choice of something which makes me happy and something which is I'm just sort of slightly disinterested in. Yeah, human nature does draw you over to the one which which speaks your language. It's a very subtle thing, though, isn't it? And probably mm -hmm. something which most of us would just gloss over. Um, but I'm guessing in, you know, the competitive landscape in which we now all live, the little tweaks, the tiny little alterations that you make have a kind of measurable impact over over the long haul. Yeah, that's good advice. Speaking of good advice, um, if we go over to your website, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you've got a, a, one of the things that we talked about was free. Um, the implication, therefore, being, I suppose, that you, you perhaps have a, a sort of ring-fenced membership-type offering. Do you want to speak about any anything that you offer on your website that somebody like me could get involved with? Yeah, so of course, um, as, as you mentioned, the free one kind of funnels into a paid option, um, which of course is totally optional. I'm not super spammy person. Um, I hate I hate those. Um, but so if you go and you um, watch my free workshop, and I, I always have a free workshop at the top of my website. So depending on when somebody's listening to this, it may be a different workshop. Um, but I always offer a free one. So you can get a sense of what I teach and how I teach and hopefully get a problem solved very quickly. Um, and then if you like that, I will invite you to join my membership. So I have a membership full of, I think it's t over 25 right now workshops, a few taught by guest experts, um, a lot of them taught by me, and they're all focused on particular problems. So um, the free one, for example, right now is how to get feedback from your clients that you can actually use. And it is structured in a way that you can take what you learn and start getting better feedback from your clients literally today. Um, and that's how all of the workshops are structured. They're structured so that you can have, you know, your particular problem, you can find the solution to it and literally make a change within a few hours mm -hmm. to a weekend at the longest. Um, and then we also have a fantastic Facebook community um, that Paul Lacey is a member of. And it's just kind of the, it's kind of everything that I wish I had known when I was starting my freelance web design business and I had to figure out on my own um, as well as a community for support. So if we were to sort of delve more deeply into the membership area, do you sort of break it out into sections? And you mentioned there was sort of 20 different sections or so. Is there any that you kind of highlight as, um, as the ones which might be of interest to our, our listeners? Well, I'd say my most popular ones are about onboarding clients because it's also onboarding yep. and screening clients at the same time. Um, so 
we've talked kind of about bad clients a little bit. Um, what you want to do is you want to attract, of course, the right people to your website and, you know, get them to hire you. But at the same time, you can't always know who's visiting your website. So you want to automatically screen out the bad people um, who are not going to be the right fit for you, while at the same time getting people who are a great fit, who you want to work with, excited about working with you. So my intro packet workshop is probably my most popular ever um, because it does all of that stuff for you automatically. It's it's, it's a slight departure for this uh, podcast because we're, we're, we're very often talking about, um, you know, plugins and themes and specifically WordPress related things. Occasionally we drift into sort of the business side of things, especially the conversations that I have with a, uh, my, my co-host, David Wormsley. But um, but it's a it's a crucial part of everybody's business because none of us are going to be in business for very long if we don't have more clients, and and it's nice to know that there is there are options out there. I know that there's probably some rival services that do uh, similar things, but I I do I, I do it, your stuff really resonates with me. The language that you use, the fact that I I don't know, it just feels like I'm talking to you as opposed to a great big organization, which I think some of the some of the other courses in inverted commas um, have become is is lovely. One thing that I stumbled across, I I cannot even find how I stumbled across it now. There, There must have been a link buried somewhere. You have this utterly fabulous thing called now the the URL is saywhatemails.com. So it's say s a y w h a t e m a i l s dot com, and this is just the greatest thing I've seen in such a long time. Um, tell tell us what it is in your own words because I'm going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what it is, and um, you stumbled across it kind of secretly because I am soft launching it currently. When this airs, hopefully, it will be ah. more emails and more more content. Um, I think I have. 40 something, maybe 50 something on there currently. Yeah, um, I have a lot more to add. Yeah, there's a lot on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically what it is, this was actually my first product. So my first product was a PDF because I was hearing other web designers. Um, that I, I created back in 2014 um, before I had any intention of coaching or mentoring web designer developers. I just heard, you know, hanging out on Facebook and on social media, um, all of these struggles with dealing with clients, typically in bad situations. Um, so how do I respond to this email? Like I'm so stressed out and these web designers would be spending literally hours or days stressing about how to respond to their clients um, when the client didn't want to make a payment or was upset about something. And I, and I would just, you know, write like a quick little email and say, well, just send them this. Um, and then they would do it and they would be like, oh, she paid her invoice. Like, you're amazing, um, which was very flattering and made me super happy. Um, so eventually I just built up this whole kind of library of email templates. And um, I have sold it as a PDF for, oh, gosh, it's been about four years now. There have been a few iterations, a few different versions of it. Um, but this year I decided that I wanted to make this resource available for free. I've made good money off of it, but I want people to have access to these things. I don't want to see them stressing out. Um, I don't want them to have this barrier of having to buy it. So 
I decided to release it for free. So I've put it on a website um, and I'm going to right now it's currently at the time that we're recording this, it is currently all emails basically for bad situations. So when you're stressed out with the clients, um, but I'm going to add additional emails, like just typical everyday things like thanks for paying your invoice. Like here's a template, you know, that you can put in your email or your invoicing system and have it automatically go out. Um, you know, here's, here's, um, you know, like basically we're, we're starting your project. Here's what you say when you're starting a project. So it's going to have basically everything as well as the ability for people to request templates as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen the little so, request button. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. Um, basically if you go to this website, what you're presented with is a load of, it looks like the front of a book, lots and lots of book covers. Um, and as an example, the one that's at the top, as, as I speak, uh, says what to say when you make a mistake or mess up a client's project, right? We've all been there. We've all had to write that email and we've all genuinely stressed about it. I, I can get tied up in knots about this stuff and, you know, talk to people in my, group of friends and say, oh, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. What am I going to write? And But you've done it. And what's really nice, I love this even more, that you don't just give us one, you give us a variety, you know, depending on how stern or, um, or how hard you want to go in, or if you want to be sort of uh, a little bit laissez-faire about it. So there's, there's four options that you give us. And essentially it's, um, it's a template with underlined sections where you are supposed to put clients' names or possibly the name of the project or something like that. And then we go on. There's what to say when a client is rude to you. I mean, how many times have we all written that email? And again, I thought you handled that really well. I read those through and it starts with kind of, you know, tone it down a little bit. And then eventually it kind of gets to, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Get lost, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a sort of level system to it. What to say when a client won't take no for an answer. What to say when a client tries to tell you how to do your job. What to say when you make a recommendation uh, your client hates. And, and so it goes. You, you really must have spent an awfully long time thinking about this. Did you, did you have to contrive any of this stuff? Or did this stuff happening always to you did you actually dig up old emails um many of them happened to me um yeah. i was definitely the how i think everybody is kind of you know disorganized and um i mean like i definitely i definitely made the client mistake one um i didn't necessarily respond with every single option that i list there <laughs> um fact, i haven't made that you know, thankfully, I haven't made like that many mistakes and miscommunications yeah. with yeah, my clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, so typically, um, either I've experienced myself or I've helped someone write an email, and then I've gone with kind of different levels, um, kind of based on like when I when I would help someone write an email or give them an option, it would be based on the level basically of sternness that I thought that they should respond with. Yes. Um, but then I've gone and added, you know, like maybe here's a nicer version, maybe here's an even more, you know, stern version um, so that people have more of an option to choose from because every situation is different and, you know, and every client is different and every web designer and developer is different. So, you know, the way that you would respond, you might choose a different level of sternness than I would um, or vice versa. So it really, I wanted to give people some options and they could also, you know, kind of combine things and make it work for their actual situation. So yeah. um, not every single template has ever, you know, necessarily been used by me or one of my students, but 
every situation has either been encountered by me or one of my students and then I've kind of branched things off from there. Yeah, and like you said, there's there's about 40 of these um, covering everything. And, and as you say, it focuses at the moment on problems. Um, and, and I went through them all and looked at the titles of all of them and thought, yep, know that, know that, got that, yep, been there, done that. And I thought, how many times have I sat down wasted half an hour pondering what to write when in all honesty it would have been just quicker to have a website just like yours and uh, copy paste it and and it, it sums up beautifully what I was probably trying to say in the first place and to me you know if I was to come and I'd not heard of Erin Flynn before and I was thinking about relationships with clients and how I can improve those Seeing that you've produced that is real kudos because that that tells me that you've been there and done that and you're the you know you're the genuine article. Um, yeah, I, I've I've kind of unfortunately used up all of your time. Uh, we're approaching about thirty six thirty seven minutes, which is kind of the amount of time we allot to this. So I am just going to say thank you for joining us and give you as much time as you like to do a bit of self promotion if you like and tell us where you can be found on Twitter or wherever. Um, so Erin Flynn, thanks a lot. Now is your ah. turn to, to, to go for it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Um, so if you are listening and you want to learn more about me, erinflynn.com is the place to go and you can find all of my social media there. Um, I have information. I have always have a free workshop. Um, I have tons of blog articles about helping you with your web designer development business. Um, so feel free to poke through there. And if you feel so inclined, join the membership because it is full of amazing web designers, developers, not just me, who will support you in the community and have your back. And um, that's, I think, one of the best things that you can do um, as a freelance web designer and developer is have a supportive community. Um, and then, of course, if you want to check out those email templates, saywhatemails.com, we are launching basically now. So go check them out. And if you have any requests for emails, feel free to make them. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. I've enjoyed this chat. I, I kind of wish um, I had more time. And there's probably a whole bunch of questions that would have occurred to me had we had more time. But there you go. Thanks for coming on and telling us all about, you know, how to improve the relationships between us and our clients. Thank you very much, Erin Flynn. Thanks again. And today's end, in fact, again, is coming from sagipol.com with their jaw-dropping statistics. We love these. So we've moved now to 48, which is, sorry, no. 57, which is 48%. <laughs> actually, we've moved to, I'm looking at the number that on this blog post, <laughs> it's actually 98. So the, uh, the statistic is 48% more traffic is produced from websites that have 51 to 100 pages. Actually, do you know what, Nathan? I'm looking at this at the bottom of this. It's got a little thing saying these statistics have been obtained by deep research and case studies, by the way. so Oh, yeah, no no doubt. So. This is top quality research done by <laughs> incredibly large cranial yeah. capacity people. There's no doubt. 48% <laughs> yeah. more traffic is produced from websites which have 51 to 100 pages. Okay, I can see that, actually. I can see, presumably, this is an SEO thing. You know, you've got heritage, you've got lots of content, therefore your stuff appears higher in the search engine rankings. I'm constantly telling my clients to produce blog posts. They never do. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm sure that is a metric that Google uses, the amount of content that's on there. And obviously, there's keyword linking to those pieces of content. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the rule of thumb was have more pages, wasn't it? But I think, you know, Google tried to rein that in back in the days of Penguin and Panda yep. to stop e-commerce shops that have tons and tons of products yep. um, doing too well because it's sort of low quality, repeated content, most yep. of it. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I, uh, I mean, again, it doesn't give us any real information, but it just makes me wonder whether we should be still pushing towards more and more content, even if it's a little bit weak. Yeah, I, I would imagine there's a benefit in it. Even it, well, I don't know. It's a time over money thing, isn't it? If it's not, if you're really not getting too much of a benefit, the the ideal would be lots and lots and lots of high quality content, which is mm. bespoke and written. But what are the chances of that for most of our clients? Probably not all that great. Yeah, we all can't be like Sag. It's Sag IP. What is it? <laughs> I don't even know how you pronounce that. Sagipol. 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 Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the true repository of internet knowledge, as we now know. <laughs> right, okay. Let's say goodbye. Thanks mm -hmm. for listening all the way to the end of the WP Builds podcast. Appreciate it very much indeed. If you head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, you can get on our newsletter and all the other various ways which we have of stalking you across the internet. <laughs> And if you go and leave a iTunes review, that's really, really helpful. I appreciate that very, very much indeed. And forward slash deals if you want to use some of our coupon codes. But apart from that, cheesy music coming in. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say goodbye from me, Nathan Wrigley. And goodbye from me, David Wonsey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.